He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Welcome back to another episode this week on Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm so pumped for this one. We did this a couple of weeks ago on the Good Morning Hospitality pod, where we got myself, my co-host on Good Morning Hospitality, Brandy and Michael, except for Michael was only virtual. He was pre-recorded. And then a lot of the other hospitality.fm podcasters, which are linked in the show notes. So give their show a like and subscribe to make sure that you are never missing the amazing content they're putting out. We got together and we went over our predictions for 2024 in hospitality and what's going to happen this next year, how our predictions from last year may have impacted our predictions from this year. And of course, we're going to revisit them in December 2024 to see what we got right and what we got wrong. So don't forget to, again, like I said, check out the show notes, like, and subscribe, stay tuned throughout the whole episode. We do one to two predictions per person, and then we did a little open discussion for, do we agree? Do we not agree? What do we think? What are our thoughts? And all that good stuff. So thank you for tuning into Slick Talk. And of course, like always, let's get into the episode. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. All right, everybody, welcome to our second annual Hospitality.fm Predictions Roundtable, where we gather the amazing podcasters in our network from all different categories, from hotels to short-term rentals to maybe a little bit of uh, industry news and insight trends. We're going to tell you what we feel or think is going to happen in this year's 2024 in the whole industry of hospitality. No category can be left unturned basically there's no rules everyone will have about one to two minutes to share their one to two predictions about the year to come and what we're going to revisit here in december of 2024 so without further ado let's pull up our amazing podcasters of hospitality fm welcome to the round table everybody without everyone talking over each other i'm going to do quick intros if you guys don't mind and then we're going to kick off so to my right, we have Megan Moyland, a new time podcaster with her show launching next week called Workflows and Espressos. Super excited. The one and only Jamie Lane, the data nerd, the ice cream for data every month to join us with the STR Data Lab by AirDNA and also our monthly co-host on Good Morning Hospitality. Then you have the amazing Natalie Palmer, who I got to meet in Nashville, what, two years ago, give or take? And have been love. I've been loving to watch your your journey since, and you've been taking off and taking the podcast by storm. Then the one and only. You guys are all the one and onlys, by the way, because <laughs> no one else can get that title. But Zach Boozy Cruz with Behind the Stays, who kind of got introduced to me out of nowhere and yeah. has really popped out and destroyed all the podcasts. No offense to everyone on this panel, but hey, you've been killing it, and I just love listening to your your show behind the stays now or not Natalie sorry I was looking at Natalie thinking about Brandy 
my tied for first favorite co-hosts on our Monday show, Good Morning Hospitality, Sarah Dandeshi with our hotel crew, who has been making us viral ever since she has joined. And then, of course, her co-host, Steve Turk, with Hospitality Mentor and Good Morning Hospitality. Are you guys ready to jump into our predictions for 2024? Let's yeah. go! All right. All these voices on one show. Here we go. First up is Jamie Lane. We have the one data guy that could probably back up his predictions with real number. So you're up, Chris. Yeah, and I'm actually not going to talk about our actual predictions for the industry, um, our forecast. You can see those in our outlook report. But the two that I want to talk about first is I think 2024 is going to be the launch of Airbnb's vendor marketplace. Uh, so they've hinted at this over the past couple of years, uh, but Airbnb has to continue to solve the problem of supply growth. They need to make hosting easier. Hospitality is hard. Uh, and right now to leverage third-party tools, you essentially need to be using a PMS, a property management system. And by using a PMS, hosts are significantly more likely to be listed on multiple channels like Verbo or Booking, which Airbnb doesn't want. So think about the iPhone pre-app store when the only apps on your phone were the ones made by Apple. It was a horrible experience. It really limited it. And once they launched the app store, it opened up your phone to a whole new set of tools and apps. I think this is how it's going to be um, once Airbnb opens up their platform to third-party apps and give hosts a whole new set of tools to be able to operate their listings efficiently. And it's going to give Airbnb a whole new revenue stream by taking a percentage of those tools. So I think there's going to be whole new businesses created with the launch of this um, ecosystem, and it's going to be big for the industry. The second prediction is, I think 2024 is going to be the year of opportunity for multifamily operators again in urban markets. So the level set, urban short-term rental demand is still 20% below 2019 levels. Supply is still 10%. That means occupancy is not recovered. When we look at multifamily sort of real estate, uh, vacancies are now uh, rising. They're still they're now at pre-COVID levels over 6%. Uh, we're seeing record levels of new properties being delivered. And nationally, ADRs or rents for multifamily buildings are going down. So owners of these buildings are looking to fill their vacancy. I think they're going to start looking at short-term rentals again. And then on the demand side, I think 2024 is going to be a big year for um, business demand. It's going to be a big year for international demand. And all that comes into these urban centers. Um, and uh, multifamily operators have the unique ability to go after entire buildings uh, and uh, get hotel permits that can allow them to operate in this new regulatory environment. Jamie Lane starting us off really strong, really strong. <laughs> so this is the part of the round table where everyone has the opportunity to either push back on your predictions, Jamie, or to ask more questions, clarifications, etc. So the floor is all of yours. Whoever wants to go first may take the microphone. Well, you sell my predictions, Jamie, or parts of them. I have caveats to them, which I'll save. Um, but I definitely think the vendor marketplace is for sure happening, keeping them within the ecosystem. And while I, I'm hoping for headwind or tailwind, sorry, for uh, urban operators, I have some things to contest with that. But I do think that there are going to be 
a lot of opportunities, especially in certain markets where there is a lot of supply about to be delivered. Um, so hopefully there's some urban operators who will be able to take advantage of that. <laughs> so what will this vendor marketplace look like, you think? Because I have a vacation rental company. Would I be connecting my products to it or would it be living in its own ecosystem? So like with the traditional pricing model, like beyond pricing or wheelhouse be there, you think? Or is it going to be something totally different that pops up? Yeah, I think there's going to be multiple aspects. And one that they've tried in the past that I think will be relaunched with it is co-hosting. So you can find someone to help you manage your listing. And then on the other is sort of third-party vendor type uh, tools like Beyond Price Labs, AirDNA, where we've got a dynamic pricing tool and you could start using that within the AirDNA app and make it sort of a seamless integration. So similar, like uh, HostAway, Guesty already have massive third-party um, marketplaces where you can leverage those tools. I expect on the third-party app side, it to look very similar and uh, the offerings to be very similar. Excited to see if it takes shape. One, one question for you, Jamie, on the uh, urban STR prediction. Where do you see the biggest opportunity right now for like a young entrepreneur that wants to go build a business in that space in particular? Like, do you think there's, just, there's opportunity for a soft brand? Obviously, there have been operators that have tried and, and failed before. Where do you see like the biggest opportunity going into 2024 and then ultimately into 2025? Yeah, I mean, one is I, I'm not going to suggest uh, uh, rental arbitrage. Uh, <laughs> we've seen those business models um, and grow, fail. I do think rental arbitrage can work on a small scale uh, on areas where a young entrepreneur knows the market, knows the marketplace, knows their area very well. Uh, what we've seen and scaling that uh, is very hard. And also rental arbitrage more on a single family basis where uh, you can either uh, rent to own or yeah. uh, really go after single family homes um, in these urban operators, do a mix of both short term, midterm uh, and attract all the people that are now looking to come to these cities and, and stay in short term rentals. There's there's so much opportunity. So I would say start small. Uh, focus on one city um, and do really well in that, that one city and don't try to go uh, scale too large. All right. I know you love these predictions. And the one prediction I really, really need you to focus on right now is your technology stack. And this is a kind of a part one of two ad reads for our partners, because I want to make sure that you are understanding the importance of technology in your business. So without Minute, I don't think I would be able to do what I'm doing. My business partner, Adam Knight, Recreation Rentals, our management company would be able to do what he's doing without the amazing product and team at Minute. So if you listened before, we've done our Minute with Minute segments with Nathan Smith. And as always, they're super educational. But just to make sure you really get it through your skulls, all right? I need you to pay attention. Pull out your pen and paper, get out your phone, take some notes, go to the link in the show notes, you know all the stuff. Minute is an amazing device that you can plug in to your vacation rental or hotel TBD more to come because we've have Nils, the founder of Minute joining the podcast here soon. But basically you plug it into your short-term rental and it lets you know decibel levels. Is there a party? Are people getting out of control? What's happening at the house when things shouldn't be happening? And of course, all these other things like smoke detection and many, many other features that they've built into their devices. Now, you can also make sure that you are protecting your neighborhood 
by doing a minute device outside to make sure that if the party does move from indoors to outdoors and that you're not disturbing any neighbors. And as we all know, regulations are getting crazy these days. So what better way to protect your vacation home and your asset than with a Minute device. So grab the link in the show notes. You're going to get two months free with Minute if you partner with them via our link. And of course, if you have more than 10 homes, they would love to work with you on a bulk discount. So go ahead and contact them. Let them know you heard them from Slick Talk. I cannot justify getting these devices more than ever because it's just getting crazier out there. And as more management companies, whether you're local or if you're remote and spread out, you really do need something to protect you in case of parties, noise ordinances, and many, many other things, especially smoking. So check out the link and now back to our predictions as I predict you've just bought your first minute with two months free. Back to the episode. I love it. All right. Anybody else? Comments, questions, concerns? No? All right. Perfect. Jamie, you started us off really strong. Perks of going first. Must be nice. Uh, I don't know why I put you first. That was a dumb move on my end. So yeah, moderate, <laughs> moderator mistake learned. We'll, we'll, we'll fix that for the next time. But until then, Megan Moyland, you are now a new podcaster with your own show in the network, but you're also an operator, uh, out in Wyoming, Jackson Hole. You have the outpost group and we are excited to hear what's your prediction. What does your crystal ball tell you? Okay. So I have, I have two that I feel really good about. And then a third that maybe I'll say, okay. So my first one is last year, specifically on the short-term rental side, we saw a, like a hold of ADR, which Jamie could probably speak to better than I could. Um, so people held their average daily rate for a long time, waiting for demand to increase and increase, just knowing those booking windows have shrunk and hoping that they would be able to grab rate at what they originally posted. And ultimately, that didn't happen because supply really, really, really outweighed demand. Everybody dropped their rates significantly and occupancy still didn't meet expectations. So this year, my hope for everybody and my prediction is that we have all learned from this and with incremental rate adjustments, we're going to see a lowering of overall ADR, which is going to lead to an increase in rev par year over year across, I, mean, I think I'm going to say like most destinations in North America. I think this is also due to more and more professional managers and vendors helping out with um, pricing in the industry. And so with that being said, I think we're going to see consolidation and some acquisitions happen in the short-term rental data space or pricing. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think we're going to have like one or two come out as supreme. And I do think a lot of people in the space that right now have in-house revenue managers are going to start to outsource because, and I was speaking about this earlier on a webinar, I think more and more people are realizing that you need to have someone with a data background in the role and so I'm curious to see what that looks like, but I do think it's kind of going to change the space and um, short-term rentals are leading more toward like the hotel style of revenue management where you have somebody that has a significant data background. So those are my two predictions there. That's one prediction, but with, with two, two little details. Okay, my next one is AI, which has been talked about a lot, but I think most of the conversations like within 
just people in the space that have been talking about AI circles around like the only thing we're using right now is ChatGPT and we don't really know how to incorporate it. And there are a couple of vendors that have come out in the short-term rental industry with AI solutions, but it's really like none of it is super professional. It's all based on ChatGPT and people are just kind of starting to get the hang of things. I think there is going to be a significant push for an AI solution on the guest communication side. And I think that is going to lead to a lot of companies moving, like if not 50% of vacation rentals in the next um, probably eight to nine months, like fully moving toward a tech-enabled AI solution for communicating with their guests. And I'm curious to see how it pans out and what that means for customer service-based roles in the industry. And then the really last thing that I wanted to add is European travel, I think, is going to impact beach destinations summers in a negative way. That was a lot. I'm sorry. So I have a question. So you're talking about um, negatively impacting beach destinations domestically because everybody is going to be going to Europe? Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, oh, come on down to South Beach. Come down here to my hometown of South Beach. Moving back. <laughs> uh, I don't know because I mean, yeah, yes, we definitely saw a huge push for Europe this past year. I, I can totally say that. Um, and then this coming year, and by the way, I am so not a sports person. Don't even get me into it. But I mean, there are the Olympics. Like the an Olympics. Um, and then what is it? World Cup or what? I should definitely know this. But um, no, but there there are other. Um, sporting events that are actually going to be going on in Europe this summer. So that will certainly be driving traffic 100%. But if you also look at the bigger picture and consider how tumultuous the entire world is with situations that are happening, I think that we'll also see just a lot of Americans just opt to stay domestically just for, um, just to be cautious with the world being so, um, uh, unpredictable in at the moment. Mm. Sure. I'm trying yeah. to choose my words very carefully, but yes. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think it, I think it'll be, um, um, I don't know that it'll actually make a negative impact in beach destinations. Everybody wants to go to Florida, right? I know. I personally so. <laughs> Well, that's you guys, but. <laughs> I've got a question. Uh, so you talked about uh, lead times and pricing, and we had definitely seen lead time shorten. Mm-hmm. People start to discount. So, is your prediction that for next year in twenty twenty four, that lead times start to expand again and allow people better pricing power, or the opposite? No, no. I think booking windows are going to remain, but like pretty short, and we're seeing that already. I think people have gotten smarter about pricing strategies, and where before there was a lot of holding out, like booking windows are shorter, it's fine. We're still going to be able to get the same price. I think last year it led to like panic at the very end, and you were giving like very steep discounts, or you were seeing steep discounts. And I think people are starting to get smarter about that and realize like these shorter booking windows are here to stay, and we're going to price accordingly. We've got kids, we've got dogs. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's you know we've got some special guests popping up on the live. Totally okay, Jamie. If we need to pull you, we'll we'll pull you. But um, yeah, that's very good question. In all reality, anybody else have questions for Megan? Open it up. Oh, I've got I've got one question. Sorry, Megan. Um, what, in in do you think that the in terms of your travel predictions of 
the European getaway versus the the local uh, beach getaway. Do you think that that'll that'll be determined mostly by generational cohort? Like, I, like I've sort of noticed, and again, this is totally anecdotal, right? But like in my circles, how many you know younger millennials, not gen, not Gen Zers, but younger millennials have like totally like abandoned the idea of the beach vacation and are now mm-hmm. seeking. Uh, obviously, you know, European getaways if they can, but even even just more, more like mountain getaways or, or more rural getaways, you know, the people that are going after the sick Airbnb that they found on Instagram, even though it's in the middle of nowhere and opting for that or like a wander, right, rather than a, a more traditional getaway. Do you think that generation will will have a you know role to play in, in, in that prediction or not so much? 100%, especially with Taylor Swift going to be in Europe. I think there are a lot of millennials and Gen Zers, honestly, too, that are starting to um, have careers and money to spend. I think that they didn't get tickets and which is unfortunate. I took them when I twice um, (laughs) want to go over to Europe and see Taylor and, of course, the Olympics as well, which I think will honestly have a little bit less of an impact. But Brandy said this in last year's predictions, which I actually listened to this morning, that like all of the people on her Instagram feed went to Positano. And that was the case for me, too. And literally, like almost every employee, I feel like went to Europe except for me. And I think we're going to see more of that this year. I love yeah, it. I want the hot spot this year. I haven't figured out where it's going to be, but I'm sure all Can't of our, in- yeah. our Instagram feeds will let us know. It's going to be yeah, somewhere somewhere in Portugal, somewhere in po- either Lisbon, right? Or or the south of Portugal. It, that the is popping other- all over my feed. All feed. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm going to a wedding in the Old March. No. <laughs> Case in point. Know. Case in point. So if anyone ever wants to know where the hot travel destination to go to in any future circumstance, Megan and Brandy are going to be the ones to to tell you. So predictions over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. My prediction is that Taylor Swift becomes Taylor Kelsey. Just FYI. So we'll talk about that later. What a TV Kelsey per name. Travis Swift works. Whatever works. You know, that there's a wedding. I hear wedding bells out of the one good year I have. So that's... Uh, <laughs> That's my thought. Just kidding. We'll get to my predictions at the end. But that was awesome. Thank you, Megan, so much. And now I can't believe I put you two next to each other in the time of order. So we're going to go Mr. Miami, Steve Turk, who is next. And then after that will be Brandy. All right. So for 2024, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route here. The Michelin Guide has always done restaurants. And this is the first year they will be giving key awards to hotels. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different than Forbes. So that you see all the Forbes ratings. Are they four-star, five-star? They are using different standards to choose their hotels. And one of them that I love seeing is that it has to be a destination unto itself. So the hotel contributes to the local experience. And that's what people want. They want these unique experiences. So I'm excited to see the hotels they choose and award these keys to. They're not going to be the traditional award-winning hotels we always see. And those hotels will blow up. And I think that those owners will be surprised that they're on the list, those properties. And those will be the hot spots that we start seeing a lot of people go to, just like when you see a new Michelin restaurant pop up. My second one is from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and I think this will continue on, is that we will continue to have big labor shortages in hospitality. Um, The quit rate is the highest out of all the industries. 4.1% of people that are in hospitality are quitting their jobs. So as an example, in September, we had 837,000 workers quit. 
we still hire 1.1 million. So we have a long way to go to make this industry a place that people want to stay and work in. And I think all of us in this room can help do that. Well, that's a mic drop. Woo. Right. Yeah. You know, Woof. those are my two. That was, that was <laughs> yeah, strong too. I, Go for it. I think the, uh, the Michelin, uh, guide. I, so when I've been traveling, I'll look at like Hanan S traveler for some, like if I'm trying to like splurge and also the Michelin like hotel list, I think that's a great point. And it fits seamlessly in with their whole concept of like one star. This is worth like a stop three stars. Like this is the destination unto itself. So it'll be, I'm very excited to see what bougie stuff comes out of this and what Miami hotels make it, if any. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be ones we don't expect. Like, I know we always have those big, fancy five-star ones, but this might be some unique ones that are going to pop up. Yeah, and then the labor shortage really resonated with me. We've had, um, in one of our buildings, front desk turnover, like with the whole staff, just like constantly. People will start, leave immediately, but then we can immediately rehire. Like some people that just don't, like the intention is never to stay. Uh, and that's been really frustrating. Um, and I know like South Florida can be a particularly difficult market. Same with New Orleans, when there is so much hospitality, that people can just jump around if they like something a little bit better. It's a little bit closer to home or whatever it is. So yeah, I think that that's going to continue to be a challenge as well. And if I could chime in on that, it's definitely going to be a challenge. I mean, there's, it's always been a challenge. It just, it's obviously heightened right now. And I hope, this is maybe, this is not a prediction, but this is a hope that as a byproduct that more companies just really invest in their training a lot more because there is a, a direct correlation from more, if you have better training and onboarding of your staff, the more likely that they feel that they feel empowered, they feel like they make a difference and they feel more part of the fabric of the company as opposed to being um, just a interchangeable cog in the wheel if you if you feel interchangeable you will just bounce understandably so so hopefully as a response to this people double down on their training less baptism by fire at the front desk hopefully that's what i got when i first started it that's a tall ask yeah it's kind of just like what hospitality is you just there's so much you just learn on the fly you have to yeah yeah my second day 700 check-ins oof yeah, nightmares. Um, that was, yeah, that's that's rough. I agree, though. That's a really good point. Um, Steve, you came in hot. You came in hot. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm ready. Today. You told me to be ready. Uh, I'm ready. Joe <laughs> um, if nobody else has any other comments or uh, questions for Steve, then we'll move on to, like I said, my tied for first favorite co-host, Brandy Canale. You're up. All righty. Well, as I mentioned, Jamie kind of stole, half stole some of my predictions earlier, but I have some caveats to that. So while there might be a lot of opportunity with some of the new supply that's coming out, I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a bloodbath for um, the remaining urban operators. I think that especially if you have deals that you can't renegotiate or you can't add uh, new properties with a better model, that the money's probably drying up, your runway is getting shorter. And I think we're going to see more mergers and acquisitions or companies just completely going out of business by the end of the year. Um, I think that the model before, like it's just kind of run its course, especially the rental arbitrage. And in a very particular note, I think that it's very likely that Sonder will be out of business by the end of the year, or it will look like an entirely different company. I think that they're going to put a lot of focus on getting out of almost every deal that doesn't like really benefit them and actually contribute to the bottom line. 
And I think there's going to be a renewed focus in all of their product that has like, like basically our hotels or has the um, hotel licensing and destinations that are strictly regulated, like New York, if you can continue to operate like that, that gives you an advantage. And then also focusing on their European market, which was doing better. So I think that if they're still around, it will be a much smaller company um, and or they could just have, you know, run out of money by the end of the year. And then my second uh, prediction was that Airbnb would keep operators in their ecosystem, um, just like Apple, keeping you roped in, make it impossible to leave. But on the other side, I think that Verbo, unless they do something really drastic, is just going to kind of fade into not irrelevancy because they're still big enough, but they're really losing the opportunity to catch up. Um, it's Airbnb really has their talents sunk into the industry. People identify as being an Airbnb host and Verbo just they're with every like passing month that they don't improve the back end operations. They're losing that ability to play any sort of catch up. And so we've been hearing a lot about maybe some back end improvements. I mean, the, as an operator trying to distribute to Expedia and Verbo, it's very difficult to onboard. Um, I've heard like that the onboarding process is very manual from their side from Verbo. So I think there needs to be like a real facelift to their onboarding and distribution processes if they're going to properly leverage being a part of the Expedia family. And that's it. Oh, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. So Verbo in the past, almost two years has increased subscription fees if you're not already on paper booking from $4.99 to just announced $6.99. What do you think they are planning to do with that revenue? You think just hold on and spend it on marketing to try to outshine Airbnb? I I don't know if that revenue is enough to outspend Airbnb. Their marketing is pretty, that's where a lot of their money is going. Um, but I, you know, the just from what we've heard over the last couple of years, they've been trying to figure out how they can integrate the technology, but onboarding a hotel is much different than onboarding um, a short-term rental. And they haven't figured out, like, I hope that money is going towards the technology and improving the back end, but it really, it's like overhauling two legacy systems and trying to combine them. And mm -hmm. I, they're running into a lot. And also it's a massive ship to steer. So getting enough people to agree um, and all of that is probably very difficult. So I think that subscription models will continue to increase. It's one guaranteed way to increase your revenue. You can count exactly how many of those subscriptions you have and multiply it by 200 extra dollars. So, um, but I, and I think that the push towards paper booking will continue. That's, that's. I've got a question, Brandy. Uh, okay. I, as an operator host, like, is what do you think is going to be the long-term sort of alternative to Airbnb? Like, is there going to be one? Is it going to be direct? Is it going to be a like cocktail of the other OTAs? Like, is there just no hope that Airbnb is just going to suck everyone into their ecosystem and you can never get out like Apple? I honestly kind of think so, unless something like truly drastic happens. I think about like, so when I think about Airbnb, I could go on like a rant about it. But when I think about on the traveler side, I love using it. It's so easy. I have all these different bachelorette parties that I'm planning, all these group trips, and I have all of them. It's such a pleasant experience to use. And that's from just like the traveler side. And I know like what's going on. I might, you know, go to the direct site if they have one once I find it. But 
you know, I, they have so many tools. They've invested so much. They really have a solid game plan for how to continue, how to continue to be like absolutely irreplaceable for their hosts. So I think that they would either have to like go out of business <laughs> um, or, you know, the fragmentation of people realizing, oh, maybe I want to focus more on being direct. But that would like you, that would be a total mind shift of a collective group of the majority of their hosts. And I just think that is not going to happen. I have a quick follow up question on on um, Verbo. Do you, and I don't know if this is a question maybe for the group, if anyone has other interesting data here, I don't know if you do, Brandy, but on, you know, I think one of the benefits after the acquisition by Expedia was this idea that you could use your, I think they call it like one key cash, right? Yeah. Um, that you could use on vacation rentals, which you previously, you know, Airbnb obviously doesn't have a rewards program like that currently in place. Is there any data that has come out on whether guests care about that or whether that's sort of been advantageous for the ecosystem or as an operator is there is there any sort of advantage or has there been any sort of like internal marketing push to to promote this as a, a value of booking through through verbo so i think and a full disclosure urban markets are not great for verbo at least not the ones that we're in so they're a smaller percentage of our revenue, but we have almost like no communication about those kind of things from account reps and stuff like that. We don't have any guests that are like asking us like, oh, is this part, you know, I very rarely hear about it. Mm. So I think that that's another area of opportunity for them. If that's something they want to leverage as an advantage over Airbnb, that you have this rewards program, that's definitely something they should be doing. It doesn't really seem like they are doing it <laughs> unless other people are seeing. I know maybe in like Jackson Hole, you might have more of a Verbo clientele. So I'd be curious, Megan, if you're seeing that kind of, you know, any information about that. No, no, we're having the same experience when it comes to um, communication. And 20% of our bookings are coming through. We manage 260 properties and have a fair amount of revenue that goes through the Verbo channel. And it's really interesting. Um, I'm wondering, this is a separate conversation, like I asked you earlier about subscription fees, Brandy, but I'm wondering altogether if they're going to move toward pay-per-booking and like completely obliterate the um, subscription fee altogether next year since they're making changes already year to year. But we're seeing more and more market share going over to Airbnb, the majority being direct um, far and away. But it is like when I, I got my start at Vacation Rentals in Destin, Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, and so many of our reservations came through Verbo. And I we advertised on Airbnb maybe for 10 properties in Destin. Nothing. And it's just so different that in a ski destination, we've had a totally different experience. And I don't know if that's just because years have passed and people are starting to know Airbnb more than they're knowing Verbo. But I kind of use my mom as like a litmus test. And she used to say, like, let's book a Verbo or VRBO. And now she says Airbnb. And I feel like that's all I really need to know, you know? It's a fair point. And it's a warning sign. Like, Airbnb is now just ubiquitous with our industry, which drives, like, everybody insane. But that just speaks to the power of that brand and what would have to happen for that to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Verbo's commercials really pull on the heartstrings, though. I love them. <laughs> All right, Slick Talkers, we're back. Part two of two with predictions that you are going to do during this episode, and that is to get Hostfully and Hudson Creative Studio together. They're another great partner with Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And without them, we would not have our property management platform 
built out with our other technologies like Operto and Wheelhouse and Minute, of course. We have many others to plug into our host fleet property management platform, but we wouldn't be done without them and what they've built inside their integration and marketplace. They do amazing industry data reports every year. They cover the industry after pulling hundreds of property managers all over the world and giving a very, very well-delivered report. Make sure you grab the link in the show notes for this one, as well as our book direct website with Hudson Creative Studio. Now we're able to merge the two. We have an amazing opportunity to make the guest experience seamless and not just by having a book direct website, but by having the booking widget that Hudson Creative Studio has built around the Hostfully platform and has made it so easy to pull our properties, to pull our data and all of our information directly to the site and giving our guests the ability to have all the information that they need on mobile and on desktop. It's the best experience. I love it. It's slick. It's clean. No pun intended on the slick comment. We love them. So grab the link in the show notes and you'll get special offers from them. And just tell them that you heard them on the podcast. As I predicted, you are thinking about changing your property management stack. So go ahead and get with Hostfully and Hudson Creative Studios. Now back to our predictions and we'll see you on the next episode. Lots of, uh, lots of good points. Uh, the one key program. Yeah, all this stuff is really, really good questions, really good comments. So uh, I know Tim Rosolio has been a guest on Good Morning Hospitality quite a few times. So we'll maybe need him to slide in a comment on the recap of this because my my prediction, actually, never mind. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to give away the farm. All right. So Zach Boozy Cruz, the man, myth, and legend behind all the stays of unique travel experiences. You are up, my friend. Fantastic. Um, well, I... I feel like I'm a little bit of a little out of place here because all you guys have been in the business for so long and you've got incredible data um, and I'm just I'm just newer. So, you know, bear with me here. But I, I thought a couple things in particular came to mind when this question was going around. One, one, one is just I think that there's going to be a professionalization of like the unique stay operators. So unique stays have obviously sort of exploded over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I think Airbnb said from 2020 to 2021, you know, they increased by 50%. I mean, just remarkable number of unique states that are available, let alone revenue coming from these unique experiences. Obviously, this is, I think, just a travel trend for younger generations. They want to stay in a place that's one of one. They don't want to go to the hotel that their parents took them to or the vacation rental, you know, beach house where you had to bring your own linens, right? So, So I think some of this is just generational. But obviously, unique stays are on the rise, right? Experiential stays are on the rise. But the community around unique stays is still so fractured. It's so siloed. So I think that 2024 is the year that we're going to see some professionalization happen, right? So I think that this will actually look like we'll see you know, events pop up. We'll see maybe even a, an association of sorts sort of form these, these communities. Isaac French from, from Live Oak Lake has started one called Experiential Hospitality as an example. And I just think that these these operators who... Quite frankly, like they know how to market, they know how to build. Many of them have access to capital. I think they're going to become much more dangerous um, to kind of the maybe more traditional vacation rental manager and or just mom and pop shops. And I think that this is going to be the year where you're, you'll start seeing brands emerge, where you'll you'll start you'll begin to recognize them as oh that's a you know treehouse brand or oh that you know they they crush container homes or whatever it is. So these sort of like Instagram famous properties and the people behind them, I think they're going to become 
much serious, much more serious players, I should say, in in this space. That's sort of like prediction uh, number one. And then prediction number two, which is quite related, is I think that Instagram and TikTok as guest acquisition channels are going to increase substantially. Obviously, when you're looking at like total channel share, these percentages won't be nearly as meaningful as as Airbnb or, or, or Verbo as we were talking about a moment ago. But I do actually think there's going to be a, probably a 5 to 10x increase in terms of uh, bookings that have have come from Instagram or come from TikTok. And I think, you know, if, 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 if people aren't familiar, if you just go and you look at unique Airbnbs, unique STRs, you just follow those hashtags on, on Insta. I mean, there are incredible homes. There are incredible accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers, right? And you talk to these folks, as, as I do a lot on my show, and I mean, the, the amount of direct bookings that they get through their Instagram channel is, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. So I just, I just see this increasing. I think that it's going to be a mistake uh, for folks not to invest heavily in social as a channel if you want to be a hospitality entrepreneur in 2024 and 2025. So I see sort of just like the actual number of bookings that can be attributed to Instagram and, and TikTok in particular. Obviously, these platforms are also just like conducive to content going viral, right? Uh, I, I see that being a, those two channels in particular being incredibly worth investing in as a short-term rental operator, as a hospitality entrepreneur in, in, in 2024. And then the last one I said, which I feel like we've talked about several times um, uh, or a few times already in, in this conversation is just the, the sort of like rebirth of like the, the urban STR. And I, I, I actually think there's opportunity for, for a new brand to, to emerge, obviously from a model standpoint, you got, you'd have to get creative, but as much as I love unique stays, as much as I love staying in an Insta-worthy cabin in the middle of nowhere, you're still in the middle of nowhere. And I do think that urban travel is is coming back strong. I do think my, you know, my, my peers still like the city, right? And so I think that there's huge opportunity for someone to figure out how do you crack that from a brand standpoint. And, and I, I think that you could just build a really, really great soft brand around urban STRs, two beds, two baths. Um, and I'd love to see a brand emerge this year where we point back and say they led the way. They, they you know, they restored hope to the to the urban STR market. So those, those are my predictions. All right, I heard. I saw some head nodding on the background. I saw. I heard some. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm's. So anybody got a got a comment, thought, question? I've got one on the outdoor experience. Once I've been watching and following along because I really like that area. And I've been, we've been dabbling on it, working on something ourselves, but everything is starting to look a little too similar to me. If you start looking at them, they're all copying each other and they're all starting to look the same. I think that's the same thing that happened with the short-term rentals and the urban markets that all started looking very similar to each other. And you couldn't really tell who was who and what is what. It was just more of a warning to those that are starting to get into it because I've talked to a lot of them and they're all using the same handful of vendors to create yeah. their experiences. So they're all starting to look the same. It's more of a statement uh, than question. The Instagram, like direct booking through Instagram. uh, I mentioned this at the last roundtable, but Ben uh, from Onera, they do like 70 plus percent of their bookings through Instagram. And that blew my mind. I like really had a hard time wrapping my head around that. And I think it's totally different product type. Like I'm not going to, we have like a couple of super unique properties, but most of ours, it's urban, you know, 
two or three bedrooms. Like it's not it's not the Instagram worthy bookings, but you're totally right that like it's worth making sure that your content is attractive to everyone, that that's not something that we're like letting go by the wayside and still promoting that brand awareness and being aware that like are making the booking journey from Instagram or TikTok still seamless because you got to start somewhere, even if it's not like this crazy treehouse that's Instagrammable, you still might get a slow and steady stream of people that are booking through there. Yeah, I was just going to say the OTA experience on Instagram or TikTok is going to have to shift a little bit in the sense of like how you book it. Um, but I just literally recorded with Ben from Monero this morning. And that was my exact like, aha. I was like, OK, what Steve said, everyone's trying to copy each other. The ones that put in the $30 million type fund size that he's running are going to win. And those Instagrammable channels, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, they are going to shift. They're going to have a feature. There's going to be some product launch within that to make that easier because that's, yeah, exactly. Zach, you look like you have a comment. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, and, and to add on to that quickly, right? I also think that there's going to be, I think some of these stays are going to get bought up, right? By, by you know, institutional operators, right? You're going to see these people that have built these incredible stays. And by the way, they also have an Instagram account with 100,000 followers. They're going to be able to sell their Instagram account as an asset as part of that deal. And like that, I mean, like this is an extremely exciting, like I think opportunity for folks who might might be ready to just exit, quite frankly, like they're tired of running the treehouse or the A-frame or whatever. And now they have not just the actual asset, the real estate, but also the digital real estate as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it really depends on the destination, but it, I resonated with what you said. There's a guy out of the Hamptons who owned this company called Red Cottage. And I had the same experience at Burma, uh, Brandy, where I think he said like 80% of his bookings were coming through Instagram. And I was like, what the hell? We've never gone to booking through Instagram. This is wild. Um, but right, like he's in the Hamptons and booking with a lot of celebrities and their managers who are finding them on Instagram. And I also agree with you, Zach, like the Instagram now is his largest asset. And that is where he spends like all of his marketing dollars. So it was really interesting, like our Instagram budget comparatively to what we spend on the OTAs or PPC in general is just so insignificant. Yeah. I love it. Well, good job, Zach. It's uh, that's again, these are all really great. Like I'm, I'm seeing all the dots connect. So this is really fun, but without further ado, Natalie Palmer, the miss level up your listing yourself. You are up and excited to hear what you see out of your crystal ball for 2024. Okay, thank you. So my first prediction, this is actually the exact same prediction I had last year, but I still think it rings true. So I'll start with this one. Um, I do think that this is going to be a huge year for co-hosts. Um, Zach, you kind of just touched on this with yours, but a lot of investors, I think, realize that this was way more work than they got into. The quick, rich, get rich, quick scheme is just not happening. And so offloading their properties to co-hosts or property man managers, I think that that's going to continue to be huge. Um, and then to piggyback off of that, I know the theme of this is hospitality trends and predictions, but from an investor side, I do think that we're going to see more and more investors um, investing in funds rather than specifically buying a property, but just going to funds where they've seen all of the TikToks and just so many hosts and investors talking about how much more work it is and how regulation can change on a dime. And if you sink half a million dollars into a property and then that regulation changes or some trend in that market changes. It's just so risky. So I think that investing, you know, $10,000 in a fund or something, I think people believe in the returns of real estate and short-term rentals 
and vacation rentals. But um, I think a lot of people are more risk averse right now, especially with an election year and recession and whatever's going on. So I think we'll see an increase in investing in funds. And then this one's kind of boring. Um, but I think that we're going to also see a huge return to just a focus on cleanliness, consistency, accurately representing your listing and reliability. I think last year and even 2022, it was huge pushes for just putting in as many amenities as possible. And I think a lot of hosts were not equipped to manage all those amenities effectively. And there's nothing more frustrating from a guest perspective than checking into a place because of the sauna and then the sauna is not working or the hot tub or whatever it is, you name it. The You find out that the kayaks aren't running for that season or whatever it might be. So I think scaling back almost in terms of amenities and just making sure that everything that you present in your property is really working and just having like extreme control um, on all of the quality of your listing. So those are mine. I love that. And before we get to open conversation, we have seen a couple of live comments go in. So for everyone commenting in for the live, we will get to you at the end if we have time. And quick shout out, Jeremy Weiss, always on the lives for GMH. You're amazing. You're, uh, you're welcome. Just had to say that. But <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, just want to make sure that everyone knows we're not ignoring you guys. Um, great stuff, Natalie. I'm going to leave it open for everybody. If anyone has a comment, question, concern. I totally resonated with your last. I mean, all of, I love all of your points, but your last one in particular, like kind of a back to basics. Like, do you have a clean property? Do you have your systems in order? And that like for us, we're really going back and um, making sure like tightening the ship up a little bit like really going back through and retraining all of our housekeeping staff things like that um because you're right like if you go and you book the sauna the place because of the sauna and the sauna doesn't work whereas if you had just booked a home that you know had the four bedrooms that you needed and didn't have a sauna but it was clean and ready for you to use that would have been probably a better stay because it met the expectations that you had when you booked so yes i think back to basics is not a bad way to go yeah. And I think a lot of hosts too, especially on Airbnb side, um, like are just got used to like throwing money at the problem. Like, oh, it's out of order. We'll just refund you. Here's 200 bucks. And that that's not what people were promised or why they booked your place. I just don't think that that's a good solution. So yeah, I would rather just not provide the sauna and not have expected it and then been disappointed than show up and have it broken, even if I am getting some money back. Same thing with refunding a cleaning fee. Like, I, I don't want the cleaning fee refunded. I wanted the place clean. So that's what I think we'll see more of. <laughs> I think we're I in, also in an era, sorry, Will, of more is more, right? Like everyone you talk to is like, I added this new software and we're doing this and we're adding these 15 things to our guest experience. And it's funny, Brandy, you mentioned this on a webinar. When did we do that? Last week, whatever it was, the roundtable. Um, anyway, one thing you said was like, Getting back to basics is going to be the most important thing for us before we go and do all these other things. Because we honestly, like at this point, don't have the expenses due to what 2023 did mm -hmm. to us all in general. And I think that's going to be the most important thing. Like, in my opinion, the guest doesn't give a shit about your 15 experiences or you meeting them at the door if the place is dirty, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like meet their expectations like their bare minimum and then work on all those extra things so totally resonate with your point number three as well natalie one one comment too just on your uh prediction around uh investors being more interested in in funds than perhaps acquiring their own properties again total totally anecdotal but i have a bunch of friends who worked in tech and kind of 
2019, 2020, 2021, their companies had uh, nice exits. They made a little bit of money. Then several of them went and you know bought short-term rentals and and whatnot. And now there's a bunch of them that are just like asking me, like, hey, who do you know to help me, you know, manage this property and or they're they're looking to get out because it, it is yeah. it it was a lot harder than they intended. Now again, these are these are smaller, less per, not not professional operators, but now they're looking at things like what Summer's doing, or they're looking at things that like you know what TechVestor and others are doing, and they're saying they're they're asking themselves, is this a better option? Like if I mm-hmm. if if I you know I've got a little bit more money I want to do something with, maybe I don't want that second Airbnb or that third short term rental. Like maybe this money's better spent in an institutional grade fund. Um, so it will be interesting to see how these things continue to grow and how how optionality continues to to uh, mature as as the market matures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not passive income that people think it is. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite word on every guru's Instagram posts uh, these days, sign up for my mastermind. I'll make you a passive income. Anyways, um, awesome. Okay, so this next one, he is not on the round table. Unfortunately, our tied for first favorite co-host on Monday morning, Good Morning Hospitality, uh, he is on his way to Dublin. So we had him pre-record, send his predictions in. So he has the downfall of not being able to hear any of this. Uh, any of your guys' predictions, he had to make one up and send it in and listen to the recap later. So we're going to play his and then we'll jump in. If anyone has comments for him to listen to at the end, go for it. If not, we'll move on to our almost best for last. Just kidding. If you're a regular listener to GMH, this is probably not too much of a surprise for you. But I think this year is going to be full of mergers, acquisitions, and companies shutting down. Last year, we saw quite a bit of closures on the urban side from the venture-backed companies like Zeus, The Guild, Wanderjaunt. And then already this year, we've seen one of the mighty uh, and quite frankly, a, a good close friend of, of mine personally. And it's, it's nothing we like to see, but Front Desk obviously shut its doors. So... I think it's a cautionary tale of what is to come for venture-backed travel, particularly short-term rental companies this year, with not a whole lot of venture capital flowing into short-term rentals. So if you're a profitable business, there's probably a strong, strong likelihood that you can acquire or basically pick up in a fire sale some of your competitors. And that's not just limited to operators. That's certainly part of it for the software companies and and vendors in the space. So I I think we'll see some mergers and acquisitions that are probably more fire sales than anything. There will still be strategic mergers and acquisitions. I don't anticipate a whole lot of funding coming into the industry Again, this year, we only saw a handful of companies raised last year, but I do hope I'm, I'm wrong on that front. I hope I'm wrong on, on uh, the closure front too, but I don't think it's going to be a, a terribly easy year for particularly venture-backed companies in short-term rentals. Mm, I, right. I agree. <laughs> I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah I, I think, think you're I think a lot of private equity though. Yeah, you I was going to say Jamie Lane looking at looking at the one one company recently. Uh, you know, Demi has made a couple comments. I can say that you guys are still looking at, you know, potential acquisitions. Absolutely, and especially at fire sale prices. 
<laughs> no, and in all seriously, like very opportunistic of like if it fits in with our sort of growth strategy. And we've got our list of like 10 or 15 companies we'd love to buy. Um, and the conversations that we had, like they're not at the right price right now. But if sort of the the prices kind of come in with what we'd be willing to pay, like we'd absolutely love to pull the trigger on more. I agree with Michael in a lot of sense, but I'm hope that he's I hope that he's wrong. I hope that he's wrong. We don't want to see anything. I think you're seeing it like a lot in the micro, like very micro too. Like we're seeing a lot of operators that have one or two or three units that are in over their head callings for help. I'm drowning. Can you help us? Can you help yeah. fix it? And we're like, hey man, that, we would never sign that property up. You're like way out in the sticks. Nothing to drive. But I think a lot of people just got in over their head. Yeah, those unincorporated Miami Dade homes that are like seven bedrooms. You're like, yeah, but you're all the way out there. And uh, I think if that's that's it. I mean, it's a very niche to like South Florida, but a lot of people moved here, bought these, you know, condos that you can rent, and they're like, yeah, now I'm just gonna make all this money. But then a lot of people had that thought, and their ADRs went down, and it is a kind of like, how do I get out of this game now situation? And so that's like a very it's like that that on like the individual level. And some of them are not small. I mean, Steve, I'm sure you know some of these like small operators have like 70 units that they're like helping to co-host basically. And that's like a mini empire inside like three or four condo hotels. So yes. it's, uh, it's not a small business. And I think people are tired. I love it. All right. Sarah Dandeshi, you're next. Let's oh, yeah. What kind, of, what kind of good news you got for us today? Drum roll. Okay. So yeah. And again, I, you know, talked a lot about vacation rentals. Um, I'm definitely more through the lens of, you know, hotels and that sort of experience. Um, so I have a couple things, but I'm going to try and rattle through it as quickly as possible for sake of time. Number one, in general, we are just going to, more people are just going to continue spending money in travel. So it's going to be a great year for travel across the board. People, more people are just spending more money at hotels, airlines, vacation rentals, you name it. Um, we've seen this shift. It's just going to continue. Um, a phenomenal uh, guy that I actually follow, um, uh, Scott Galloway online, actually said a really interesting thing, especially when it comes to generations and, and understanding where we are valuing what we're spending money on. Um, it's become more and more challenging for younger generations to be able to even purchase homes, for example. So Typically, where they would be maybe, you know, putting aside like a little bit of extra money so they could go ahead and save that for their first home. But the idea of buying a home and certainly in larger markets is so far off that they're like, well, that's definitely not a priority because who knows if that'll ever happen. And so we are seeing younger generations just spending way more on travel, um, good or bad as that may be. Um, so and then coming coming back to this as far as guest expectations, and we touched on it uh, a little bit. You know, some of you others had had uh, mentioned it as sort of going back to basics. Well, I also think it's also going back to basics in regards to the guest experience. You can't like no more. I mean, people are already spending more on travel, on their hotel experience, their their vacation rentals. They don't want the excuses. They don't want to hear, oh, yeah, we're short staffed, even though we know this is the reality that we live in. Like, I'm sorry, I'm paying five thousand dollars a night. I don't really care that you're short staffed. And also in my mind, if I'm paying $5,000 a night and everybody else is, you 100% need to execute. Um, and we can't use short staffed as, um, being short staffed as an excuse or a crutch anymore. So definitely these higher expectations on the guest experience. Then 
kind of just like rattling off just a couple more, more purpose-based, uh, purpose-driven travel, what the meaningful travel really, you know, and so they are looking to these destinations that, you know, they're not necessarily just going to find a place that they can go hibernate for a couple of days. Yeah, maybe, but it's like, how can they become more integrated in the local culture? How can they have a trip that maybe like there's an actual, like an experience that they can, it's something meaningful. So again, that we've seen this before, but we're seeing more of a double down on it. Sustainability, green initiatives. This has never gone away. It will continue to be here. It's not just all in the hands of the one hotels, <laughs> a lot of people. Um, and it's everything from where they're sourcing ingredients to, uh, to even where they're sourcing their materials and even how they're building, um, you know, their, their hotels and things like that. So definitely huge with that. AI would be remiss of me to discuss that. We touched on it earlier. I think it's going to be, it's like, we're not just living in the world of chat GPT. Like what is the new, um, we're going to see this battle for like the new AI driven technology platform that's really going to help drive traffic. A lot of, uh, or move the needle, I should say, a lot of uh, tech companies are out there. They obviously dabble in AI. They have even for years. But we're just going to really see, I think we're going to see at least a company or two rise to the top in regards to that. Wellness culinary destinations, plant-based options, also non-alcoholic options when it comes to menus. People just want healthier options. That is what it is. Uh, that's what the tra travelers are expecting. And that's what I think hospitality businesses are going to be providing more of. We've already seen this. And then, oh, that is my last one. So there you go. <laughs> Covered a lot. Well, a buffet wow. of options. Yes, exactly. A plant-based buffet of options. I don't That's know fine. if this will get me. I don't know if this will get me canceled saying this, but I have a hard time with the sustainability side of our industry. Why? I think there's. I don't think it's impossible, but I think too many push it. As in, like it's the only message that they can preach from the mountaintop, and it gets tiring. I get tired of it. I'm trying to be as sustainable as I can personally in my own life and in our own vacation rentals and business overall. But the, I think the, the preachingness of it. So again, this is why I feel like I might get canceled for saying it, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's just, it gets too much. Sometimes I get really, really tired of hearing the sustainability message. Well, I think it's just more so internally. It's just how can businesses make more sustainable options or, or decisions? So, I mean, I don't know. I think that's just kind of like integrated into like the space that we're living in. We're just being more mindful of like what we're doing on our short time on this rotating ball in space. So, <laughs> you know, oh, but I hear you. Like, I get it. It's like, yeah. okay, sustainability. Like, yeah, recycling is not sexy, but like. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll yeah. add something to that. I think like true sustainability, I agree, like that's in vogue and like continue that. But people are very susceptible to greenwashing right now. Like I've seen so many TikToks and stuff on social media of brands that like just make their label look eco-friendly. And then you read the ingredient list and it's not better than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge turnoff for people. So if you are sure. going to go down the sustainability route, like just be authentic about it or don't even touch it just make the changes on the back end and don't promote it if you're not gonna like really go all the way yeah, yeah i'd love to i'd love to like pull the listeners um and and maybe even just us panels i i have a lot of hot takes on this will and maybe you and i can have a separate conversation where we both get canceled for what we'll say but 
But I mean, has anyone ever like, you know how Google Flights does the thing now where it's like, oh, this is an eco-friendlier flight, but it costs an additional 70 bucks or whatever. It, it like talks about like the CO2 that'll be admitted on, on that particular flight. I want to know who book who books those flights and who pays the additional cool. 70 bucks to book that flight. And I'm sure people do it. But like, I I have to believe it is a minority of people. So anyways, just double clicking on, on what you were saying there, there will. Uh, it definitely gets... It definitely gets advertised as I think way more of a benefit than I think it actually is to to the large majority of travelers. Yeah, I go ahead, Sarah. This is no, this is your point. I no, 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 go, go, go. I um, I think that there, like, there's the things that we would like to do, and there's then there's like the reality sometimes of the business day to day. Like, I, you know, there's the types of products that we use and things like that. I'd love to be able to spend more on the more eco-friendly or maybe like the whatever product. But then I'm like, I also have a metric that I'm being judged by, by a board that's like, okay, how can I reduce the cost of consumables? And that's not by investing in more expensive products. They don't really care. Uh, We're not just, but like, that's just one example of like, you have to, you know, give, you have to kind of earn that uh, gap or space in your P&L to be able to spend more on those products that might be more sustainable. And that also, it's not just for sustainability, but on those like maybe like special extras that we've talked about with like unreasonable hospitality that go beyond just like the day-to-day. I think that you have to get yourself to like a comfortable margin, um, you know, to be able to afford to do some of these things. That's what I was going to say to Brandy's point as well. I mean, I think for us, it's like, at every webinar you sit in, every conference you go to, all your friends in the industry are like, do what you can to cut expenses or keep them as minimal as you possibly can. And that's the thing about sustainability is it's more expensive than anything else. And so that's kind of where we're seeing like, I mean, we're in a mountain destination where sustainability is talked about constantly, um, but we're also trying to hold on to our profitability. So it'll. I'm curious to see how it's going to unfold this year. But I do think a lot of people are choosing to the profitability route rather than the sustainable route. Unfortunately, it seems like you have to choose one at this point. Well, so especially this is the message to all business. the vendors. Oh, go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, especially if you're a smaller business. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're like a smaller business, you can't. It's hard to compete with anything in regards to a larger uh, company that just has more money at its disposal. So. Yeah. Biscayne Coffee, 10% of sales goes to help save Biscayne Coffee. That's our coffee brand. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I know you have to jump, my friend. Thank you guys for going over. I obviously would love to share my predictions, but want to make sure we wrap this up properly. Um, Sarah, you have a great message in the sense of any ecosystem, green, et cetera, like wellness brands out there listening, make that shit more affordable. Thank you. Uh, That's what it is. Add to the profit line and be, be sustainable. Um, all right, without further ado, I'm going to go really, really quick because this is a combination of pretty much everything you guys have all said. So not to beat a dead horse, um, but my predictions are the tech side of the industry on hotel and short-term rental is going to build and invest more into product. Product is going to be king, uh, especially with capital slowing. If you don't have a better product, UX UI sucks on a lot of these softwares. So if you're not investing in that and making it easier for the everyday operator to actually use and understand and not feel frustrated with all the pain points that it takes to just manage a guest booking, then you're, you're going to be SOL and you're going to get cut. Brandy is not afraid to cut you. And I know a lot of other people in the industry that are going to put you on the same chopping block. 
Second one, and Zach kind of mentioned this and a few ever other people on the panel, but Opco Propco. So if you are in this industry, whether you're going to be a unique state or a urban or a destination type brand, the operation company and the Propco where the, the fund is basically being held, I feel like it's a really strong model. My prediction is that it's going to be a big bandwagon thing in the beginning of the year. The later half, the ones like Ben Wolf and others are going to be the ones that stand at the end. Um, and then my third one, which is not really covered into short-term rentals or hotels or anything like that, is that Uber is going to make a huge change this year. I think with what Dara has already done with the company since taking the helm from Expedia, making it profitable and kind of fixing the dumpster fire that Travis left. I have a belief, a strong belief that after they tried and dabbled with their travel product and they pulled it and they're investing more into the things that are actually making their money like eats and rides. But I think they're going to play around with this technology, like technology landscape as travelers are spending more money. I think they're still unpredictable. There's not really a baseline. I think they're still trying to figure out what this is going to look like in the long term, not just 2024, 2025, but further. And obviously, it's going to be hard to predict due to things like COVID. Um, but I think really Uber is going to become the darling of 2024 and really show uh, travel hospitality, a profitable kind of child to look at. Um, and hopefully that can carry through. Obviously, they're heavily reliant on tech and contractors, but I still believe in the product. So shout out to, to Uber. That's all I got. Woo! Mic drops. Anybody uh, thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Look out. I'll be, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Uber, I think they are becoming, I'm, I don't disagree with your statement. I, I think I support it. I just, I feel like they're also, I feel like they're becoming like the Airbnb of like that sector. Do you know what I mean? Like the, in terms of rides and stuff like that. I think like Lyft, I'm a, proponent of Lyft and things like that but I think that Uber has done a good job of sinking their talent I mean Postmates and Uber Eats are two of my most used apps sometimes on busy work nights and those are both Uber companies so they're yeah but I am disappointed in the travel like I would I thought that, that was a really good program or had potential to be a really good program so hopefully they'll have a change of heart and reinvest yeah it's really hard. I used it for when we went to the book direct show in Miami. It was great because I was staying uh, at a property that actually sent me an email for confirmation of like my stay. So it really synced up nice with my airport pickup and all the other stuff. But I think like from an Airbnb standpoint or short term rentals, they're going to have to really pull in the whole ecosystem. They're going to have to like actually not just do Expedia and booking and all those channels that Dara has a close relationship with and he can actually pull that plug in integration. But yeah, it's um and for anyone listening, Dara is the CEO. So he basically, yeah, came from Expedia. Um, I think that's going to be kind of the the big challenge is how to e incorporate this vertical a little bit. But yeah, if nobody else has any comments, questions, or concerns, then this was awesome. Thank you again for some of you joining for the second year in a row. Steve, Brandy, Natalie, and your first time this year, Megan, Sarah, and Jamie. It's been super exciting. And for the listeners... Uh, on the live i'm sorry we didn't get to actually jump into some of these questions or comments you just have a big group and it's hard to uh keep things on time when you have a lot of positive talkers that love to love to talk so it's a it's a good thing thank you guys so much and of course like always we'll see you all very soon
Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.